48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. Hong Kong's two electricity companies announce inflation-busting tariff rises. Small business leaders and representatives of poorer families say they'll bear the brunt of the higher prices. And six former executives of Apple Daily and its parent company plead guilty to national security charges. Energy bills for customers in Kowloon and the New Territories will go up by 6.4% next year, while consumers on Hong Kong Island will pay 5.5% more. Suppliers CLP and Hong Kong Electric announced a tariff rises in LegCo, citing rising international energy prices. Lawmakers criticised the scheme of control agreement, which regulates the profit level of the power companies, and said the firm should be prepared to make less money instead of relying on the government to subsidise customers. Speaking through an interpreter, the Environment Secretary, Xie Wan, defended the deal. There is a commercial advantage there. So our power supply is one of the most stable in the world. And in terms of um, the tariff, if you compare with other comparable free economies, uh, we are uh, one of the lowest. So through this, uh, we are trying to get uh, the best deal for the public. Xie Shan from the Society for Community Organisation says higher electricity bills will hit grassroots families hard. She says people living in subdivided flats will suffer the most and called for subsidies to help them. That's disappointing. It definitely will affect the lower class family because actually now many of them, they are underemployed, their salary is lower than before. So especially for those that are living in subdivided flats, their bill is very high because there are many people in one bill. So average, the bill will be 500, 600 a month. So you can imagine it will be a burden for them. The chairman of the Hong Kong Small and Medium Enterprises Association says higher tariffs will beat down hopes of a recovery for businesses. Calvin Chang said the higher costs would make it difficult for companies attempting to recover from three pandemic hit years. i give you an example. Just like a local seafood restaurant in Hong Kong, for example, the sales revenue is around 5 million. The current electricity cost is around 236000 per month electricity free. So with this new rate applied, for example, CLP 6.4%, so the extra electricity expenses of the restaurant for CLP would be around 15K. So, you know, 15K for SME per month can do a lot of things, maybe for marketing or for hiring one more staff, something like that. That's really a huge impact. Six former senior staff of the now-defunct Apple Daily and its parent company, Next Digital, have pleaded guilty to national security charges. Priscilla Ung reports. The defendants are Next Digital's former CEO, Chung Kim Hong, former editor-in-chief of Apple Daily, Ryan Law, former associate publisher, Chen Pui Men, former executive editor-in-chief, Lan Man Chung, former editor-in-chief of the paper's English section, Feng Wai Kong, and former editorial writer, Yung Ching Ki. They pleaded guilty to conspiring to collude with a foreign country or foreign elements to endanger national security between July 2020 and June 2021. The court heard that they had conspired with the founder of Next Digital, Jimmy Lai, and other people to request a foreign country or organization to impose sanctions or blockade or engage in other hostile activities against the Hong Kong and Chinese governments between July 2020 and June 2021. Mitigation and sentencing is adjourned until after after the National Security Trial of Mr. Lai, which is scheduled to begin on December 1st and is expected to last for 30 days. 
The MTR Corporation says a new signalling system that will allow for more frequent trains will be installed on the Chinwan line by 2025 at the earliest and gradually be extended to other lines by 2029. It says the software has been upgraded since it was linked to a train collision at Central Station during a drill in 2019. Meanwhile, the corporation says 93 new trains will gradually be brought into service to replace trains that are some 40 years old. The first will start running on the Kwantung line on Sunday. A look at the weather. It's going to be cloudy with a few showers. More showers with isolated thunderstorms tomorrow. Temperatures will range between 21 and 24 degrees. There'll be some moderate to fresh east to northeasterly winds. They will be occasionally strong offshore. The outlook, it'll be windy and still showery on Thursday. Those showers will lessen gradually towards the end of the week. Temperature now 23 degrees, humidity 92%. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. The Sports Federation and Olympic Committee of Hong Kong has issued guidelines to its member associations on the proper use of the national anthem and the SAL's flag. Aaron Tam has details. Athletes are instructed to hold up their hands and make a T gesture to express their objection if they notice anything amiss with the anthem or the flag. If the mistake is not corrected, teams must leave the venue. The Federation says teams that fail to follow the guidelines will face sanctions, including a possible loss of government funding. The guidelines were brought in after a series of blunders involving the anthem at international rugby games. Meanwhile, the president of Asia Rugby, Case Abdullah Al-Dalai, paid a visit to the SAR to personally apologize for the playing of a song associated with violent protests in 2019 in place of March of the Volunteers at a recent tournament in South Korea. He told Chief Secretary Eric Chan steps were being taken to avoid a repeat of the incident. Researchers from the University of Science and Technology say they've found a way to boost the effectiveness of mRNA vaccines so people can get the same level of protection with a lower dosage and fewer jabs. The technology is used in a number of COVID vaccines. Assistant Professor Becky Kwang, who led the study, says they're now looking at whether their work can help in developing cancer vaccines. In our study, what we found is that not only the protein production will be enhanced, but the production duration will also be prolonged. Essentially, that means the MRI with the optimized tail can maintain a high level of, of protein production inside the cell for longer time. So this is why we predict that if MRI drugs and vaccines use our tail, we can reduce the dosage and also reduce the number of injections needed to achieve the therapeutic effect. Nine people have been found guilty of rioting on, on October the 1st, 2019 by a district court judge. Seven were also convicted of possessing offensive weapons, including extendable poles, folding knives and slingshots with beads. The court heard that the riot took place on the section of Nathan Road between Chimcha Choi Police Station and Chungluk Street. The nine defendants had denied the charges against them. The Equal Opportunities Commission has urged the government to do more to ensure schools offer comprehensive sex education. It said a survey showed that many secondary schools only allocated five hours in the 2018-19 academic year for the topic. The commission 
Elsa noted that areas such as healthy relationships and gender equality are rarely covered. Commission's James Chan called on the authorities to do more. It's not just about the funding, but it's also about how they should prioritize for the schools to put a strong emphasis on the psychology education in order for them to free the manpower, for them to have time to receive training. So that's why we think the most important part is also about the guideline. If the government wish to put a strong emphasis on uh, implementing psychology education through guidelines, then I think the schools will actually have more incentive to either to hire NGOs, either to ask teachers to receive training or encourage them to do so, or even like spare time, develop their own teaching materials for them. 38 people have been killed and two injured in a fire at a factory in Henan province. Some arrests are reported to have been made, though there are no details. Natalie Cheng reports. State media says the fire first broke out at around 4.20 yesterday afternoon at a Kaishinda trading company in the city of Anyang. Firefighters fought the blaze for hours before it was finally extinguished at around 11 o'clock in the evening. Authorities say criminal suspects have been taken into custody in connection with the fire and that the blaze had been caused by the illegal use of machinery. CCTV reported that workers suspected of using welding equipment against regulations started the fire. Footage from the scene from the broadcaster showed thick plumes of black smoke from the fire, with at least two trucks in position to battle the flames. More than 200 search and rescue workers and 65 fighters were called out to tackle the blaze. New figures show that the number of COVID infections rose by around 1,000 on the mainland yesterday as cases surged in Beijing. As Mike Weeks reports, officials there are now desperately trying to limit the outbreak. The National Health Commission says the mainland recorded 27,899 new locally transmitted cases on Monday, up 1,075 from the previous day. Two new deaths were attributed to COVID-19, adding to the three over the weekend, which were the first on the mainland since May. In Beijing, the total number of infections surged from 962 to 1,438, even as businesses and schools were shut in hard-hit districts and rules tightened for entering the capital. Many museums have now also been closed, while venues such as the Happy Valley Amusement Park and the city's vast Chaoyang Park said they would shut because of the outbreak. While the capital has so far avoided a blanket shutdown, there have been widely enforced snap lockdowns of individual buildings and long queues for PCR tests due to the requirement for a 24-hour negative test for entry to most public spaces. But cases in Guangzhou stayed relatively flat, with authorities reporting a total of 8,210 new infections, up just 29 from Sunday. Authorities there have locked down the bustling district of Beiyun, home to around 3.7 million people. Here in Hong Kong, the daily COVID caseload is continuing to fall. Health officials reported another 7,139 new infections today, 634 of them imported. That's down from 7,286 yesterday. 13 more patients with COVID have died. Elsewhere, Indonesia's National Disaster Agency says the number of people killed in yesterday's earthquake in West Java has reached 268. Fewer than half of them have been identified. The quake's epicentre was in Tianzhou, where thousands have been taken to shelters. Rescuers are searching for about 150 people who are still missing. President Joko Widodo visited the area. 
I have ordered mobilization of personnel to help the earthquake relief efforts in Tianjur, especially to clear road access that was affected by landslides. As for those who are still buried in rubble, I have also ordered that the search for victims and evacuation of survivors must be prioritized. The government says the 5.6 magnitude quake caused extensive damage, destroying more than 3,000 homes. Aftershocks were still being felt this morning. The European Broadcasting Union has announced key changes to the voting system for the Eurovision Song Contest. For the first time, viewers from countries not participating in the live competition will be able to vote online. The BBC's Mark Savage reports. Shortly before Ukraine's Kalush Orchestra won this year's Eurovision Song Contest, organisers discovered that juries in six countries had been trading votes. Now, those scores were discounted, but starting next year, juries will be excluded from the semi-finals, with viewers alone choosing who qualifies for the grand final. In another change, countries who aren't taking part in Eurovision will get to vote for the first time. That's meant to reflect the global reach of the contest, which is watched by 200 million people every year. In sport, there's been a huge shock in the Football World Cup in Qatar. One of the favourites to win the tournament, Argentina, have been beaten 2-1 by Saudi Arabia in one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history. The BBC's Alex Capstick was there. This is one of the great World Cup upsets. Argentina, who came here on the back of a 36-match unbeaten run and considered one of the favourites, humbled by the second-lowest-ranked country in the tournament. Saudi Arabia, whose entire squad is based domestically, were inspired. With both sides well-supported in Qatar's biggest stadium, the atmosphere was deafening. In the first half, Argentina threatened to run riot. Lionel Messi stroked home a penalty, but after the break, the unexpected. Two super-skillful goals from Salah al-Sheri and Salam al and the Saudis were suddenly ahead, a lead they scrapped and battled to retain. At the final whistle, delirium from the fans in green for the hordes following Argentina, disbelief. France kick off their title defence at three in the morning Hong Kong time against Australia. The French side has been decimated by injuries. Real Madrid's Ballon d'Or winner Karim Benzema was the latest player to withdraw. They're also missing N'Golo Kante and Paul Pogba. But 98 World Cup winner Frank Leverth says it's more about how the team plays as a unit than the individuals. Well, I like to think that football is a collective sport. <laughs> we know that nowadays, you know, we we uh, focus on the individuals. But uh, I know that with Mbappe, Griezmann, Turam, uh, uh, Dembele, you have the talent that you need to, uh, to, to score goals. But those players have to be served. They have to work defensively, which which Mbappe doesn't really like to do. But you you need to serve those players up front. A reminder of our top stories. Hong Kong's two electricity companies announced inflation-busting tariff rises. Small business leaders and representatives of poorer families say they'll bear the brunt of the higher prices. And six former executives of Apple Daily and its parent company plead guilty to national security charges. The news from RTHK. Radio Free Heavenly shades of night are falling It's twilight time Out of the mist your voice is calling Tis twilight time When purple colored curtains mark the end of day I'll hear you, my dear, at twilight time 
And a very good evening to you. Thanks ever so much for tuning our way and welcome to Twilight Time. Music from a bygone era between now and midnight. Something to just chill out and relax to. If you'd like a song yourself, it's radiopete at gmail. And the first one on the block for you tonight is a song from the four freshmen. Together at last at Twilight
gonna take a sentimental journey. Gonna set my 